Hello and welcome everyone to another episode here on the Matt Lestalia Show. Uh, I'm sorry if I appear a, a little less energetic than normal. This week is going to be a little bit different. Um, for those of you that that are regular um, members of the group here and that, that come in and spend time with us, then this is going to be a, a little bit different flavor. Um, and for for those of you you know here for the first time, I, I appreciate it. This is a... This is going to be a difficult one to do because um, this is this this hit home. You know, there was a there was a really tragic event that occurred, and that is all too common for us in the in the veteran and in the military community. And we had um, we had a suicide take place of of one of the most strong and and courageous soldiers uh that that i've had the pleasure of working with and, and serving with and there's just been a lot of processing over the last couple of days and i, I wanted to there's there's not a lot that i can do being so far removed but i felt like i was called to do something and and having this platform and having the show i i felt like this was the best way that I could kind of express um, my thoughts about it and my condolences to his family and, and to our friends and try to try to create, I don't know, a, a space for people to talk about it and a space for people to, to kind of process through some of this um, as it makes sense for them in this very difficult and impossible time. You know, even the strongest among us you know, the most kind-hearted, the most loving, and even the most hilarious, as we saw, you know, with Robin Williams, you know, they're not immune. You know, it's almost as if suicide lurks in the corner of greatness. You know, it's it's like those who are willing to do more, those who are willing to work harder than the rest of us and to just be better than the rest of us they they have to do so with this extra weight this extra burden you know as if climbing and on your hands and knees and and scraping dirt underneath your fingernails sweating crying your way to the top as if that's not enough so many have to do this with this dark and heavy burden that they take on by themselves. This show, today's episode, is dedicated to Sergeant First Class Octavio Araujo, Ranger, Jumpmaster, Air Defender, Husband, and Father. My good friend, uh, Eric Hickey, um, he actually kind of summed him up best. You know, he said, like, this guy was like an action figure. And, and he was, you know, he was molded to perfection. His, his dedication to physical strength and conditioning is, is, was unparalleled, you know. And some might say, oh, well, if he was so, you know, singularly focused, you know, he probably was just, you know, really physically tough. But he wasn't, he wasn't, he must not have been that mentally tough. Well, let's call BS where we see BS, right? This guy went to Ranger School. Now, this is one of the hardest, most grueling leadership courses in the United States Army. It, it, it's not short. It's not sweet. It tests the very merits of your manhood. You know, 
I had the blessed opportunity to train with him in preparation for his attendance in this school. And this guy's dedication to a fixed point, it knew, it knew no end, you know. And, and, uh, but I, I admittedly didn't work as closely with him as many others did. That was kind of like my relationship with him was, was that kind of training period. Otherwise, we kind of worked parallel in, uh, in different platoons, but in the same battery. But going through and, and reading the posts from, from you know, my fellow battle buddies and his soldiers about how he impacted their lives, you know, it, it drew tears of pride in our service naturally, but but really it was more sorrow and, and just confusion for how could a man of such stature not find another way for another day? And then I thought about it, and I and I came to the realization: you know, how many days did he already do that? You know, how many days did he push on and persevere while struggling, holding on to the very end of his leash just for one more day? How many days? How many hours? How many minutes that felt like an eternity? How many insanely mind-numbing thoughts and nightmares did he brave before he could no longer bear the weight? You know, we'll, we'll never know because just as so many of us believe that we have to do, he chose to stay his course solo. And, and we cannot stand the thought of our brothers and sisters knowing us at our, at our weakest, at our most vulnerable, you know, even though they've They've seen the best and worst of us in, in some of the most challenging scenarios. But to allow those same people in, to let them see that we're struggling. You know? Imagining living in a world where these people that have grown to respect you and that rely upon you to do your job you know, and to do it well and like a professional that hold you in such a high regard, to, to now imagine a reality where these people know that you have these thoughts, that you have these vulnerabilities, that can be too much, you know, even even for the absolute strongest and, and most dedicated of us. For me, this is this is one of the reasons that actually drove me and motivated me to to dive into the resilience and you know mindset alteration training. I've seen this firsthand and the damage that we do to ourselves in our attempts to stay the course. I've also seen the weight lifted for some. You know when they see when that light goes off. You know when they have that new strategy and it's really when they have an idea that clicks something that's really simple that they already knew on some level. You know. And, and the army's put focus on this, and you know, but even with all of this, with even with the the hours and hours of of mandated training and and uh, drum beating of of leadership of um, the importance of suicide awareness, um, you know, we still see. V- we still see this. We still see reports like this. You know, okay, so according to 
a report that came out, I think it was in like 2016 by the, uh, by the VA. It analyzed something like over 50 million, like 55 million veterans records uh, from like the 80s to 2014. And according to that, so that this is as of 2014, on average, 20 veterans die every single day from suicide. 20. Every single day. And really, I, I know that this has been adjusted up to 21, and then it's no, it's been adjusted up again to 22. And so when we actually look at the numbers, that's almost 700 veterans a month. Every single month. That's 700 families. That's thousands of children. Tens of thousands of fellow soldiers. All of these lives torn apart. Our community is tight. We take on each other's struggles. We feel it in the core, in our bones. When we lose someone, it's impossible every time. And we're losing almost 700 every single month. So let's let's break that out further. That's all, that's over eight thousand veterans killing themselves on average every single year. So now here's the thing. I know what's happening in that human mind of yours right now as you're listening to this. You know something weird happens at this point in the conversation. As a matter of fact, it actually already started happening when we were talking about the monthly numbers and even to some extent the daily numbers of. Uh, we start, our brains start to look at the numbers and not at the people. We start, to, we start to disassociate humanity from those numbers as they get too large. You see, we're actually supposed to live and, and cooperate in communities of something like 150 to 200 people. And this is a consistent reality across all beings with the neocortexes based on the relative size of that portion of the brain. Um, we, we have as humans, a relatively large neocortex and are thus able to operate in, you know, relatively high populations of people. Even the military recognized this because they designed the company level to be that. And that's kind of like your, your largest real tactical body. Like from that point, you're kind of moving other tactical bodies around. You can call a battalion that, whatever. I'm not going to dive into the, the nuances of the technical army literature right now. But the, the company is functional the way that it is because of this reality. And that's why there's like 200 people in a company. So when we start getting beyond, the, the whole point here is when we start getting beyond that number, we really start to lose sight of what it is that we're talking about. We start to lose perspective. That's why when, if you guys have ever heard the expression, um, one, one death is a tragedy, one million is a statistic, something like that. Um, and it's because our brains can't, can't comprehend it. The numbers are too great. We just, we don't get it. Um, and so in, in keeping with this, let's, let's try to regain some perspective. Let's start with one person. One soldier is gone. Having chosen the permanent darkness and that singular soul relief from his or her personal torment, 
versus going through another day of pain with no other path that they could see in sight. You know, their sons and daughters are left without a father or mother. And they're left looking to the, the, the surviving spouse who themselves is steeped in shock and disbelief and grief. You know, they don't know what the end of this day looks like. Not without their not without their spouse, not without their wife, not without their husband. You know, let alone what to tell their kids. Lord knows the last thing they're thinking is everything's gonna be okay. It won't. Dad's gone. Mom's gone. They're not coming back. Ever. And that's inside the home. That's just inside the home. That's not to mention his parents, siblings, cousins, where the knife just twists deeper and the ripple effect extends further and further, seemingly endless. Now look at the unit. You know, take a junior leader. Not even not even a senior one like Sergeant First Class Araujo. A junior leader like like a staff sergeant, you know, who's been in the army for six years or so, you know, during that time he will have served in, in several positions and a couple of different duty stations. And, you know, he'll, he'll have about maybe four to six different sections under his belt, you know, that he's kind of moved around in for, you know, admin purposes, promotions, deployments, and, and all the like. In each of these, he's likely to have established relationships with, you know, about 100 people but close relationships with about 10 or 15 per section, you know, so, so looking at something like 50 or so, relatively close relationships from his time in service. And from those, probably about a third of them will be soldiers that he actually led. You know, about 15 or 20 soldiers who have been molded, mentored, and coached by this leader, whose words have in, in many cases shaped their reality. You know, these are young kids, 17, 18, 19 years old, some like 20, not even able to legally drink yet. You know, where their lives, where this person, this leader provided the, the, the motivation and the guidance and the courage, you know, in with them every day, you know, in potentially in their lives when they were threatened by an enemy who's ready and willing to take all of their lives. You know, he led them to overcoming obstacles. He led them through the good times, through the bad times. You know, he, they, they modeled the behavior, you know, of grit, of toughness. Leaders in the army, you know, the good ones, they are, uh, they become our surrogate parents. This is by design, you know, and, and when you think about it, it's to have your mother or father commit suicide you just absolutely destroys you from the inside out. And now this happens to this family, to those soldiers he led, to all those leaders that unquestionably at some point, some part of them inside believes that they believes without a doubt that there was something they should have known something they should have seen something they should have done and that they simply failed this man who decided to take his last knee i sat there with sergeant first class araujo in mind thinking about and then i listened to the stories from my battle buddies you know he, like i was saying you know he was the one that showed them how to keep driving 
keep striving towards betterment. You know, the good enough is not good enough. He showed them, not through words, but through his actions, how to overcome, how to never quit. These are the things that these men and women are telling me today in these conversations I'm having today. And they're from all over the world now. They're all over, you know, in service, out of service, running real estate companies, running restaurants, you know, still serving. Uh, These wrecking balls of awful news struck us all so deeply, so severely that it shook us to our very core. No, I sat there. It's hard. It's hard to say because I fall victim to the same thing that that I'm going to be talking about here in a little bit. But I sat there with tears running down my face. You know, as my wife walked into the room and and came over and and climbed onto the chair with me and just held me tight. You know, being a fellow service member. You know, and she's still in. She she knows the full weight that we all carry, you know, when, when we lose one of us, when we lose one of our own. And, um, especially when it's to an internal, you know, your personal fight, you, you won't meet a service member that's, that's been in for longer than a day that hasn't dealt with this on some level. And I want you to think about how this one death created emotional turmoil literally literally across the world and now i want you to go back to that number i want you to realize that this happens 22 times a day that there are 22 earth-shattering reality smashing messages being sent out through the veteran community every single day we all say one is too many and we say See something, say something. We we provide suicide awareness training, and you know the crazy thing is that guaranteed Sergeant First Class Araujo provided, facilitated, and participated in in these trainings dozens of times. We throw resources at this, and in the only way that it seems that we know how, and obviously it just doesn't work. You know, the numbers haven't waned. We throw more training, more awareness. People still kill themselves at the same pace. Unyielding. 22. 22 a day. 22 soldiers, the hardest charging personalities that our country has to offer. They take their own lives every day. And you know what's crazier? When we look at building tools and, and changing the culture and 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 instantiating ensconcing these things into our military communities you know what what those of us inside the community what those of us veterans and, and active duty soldiers say when we when we're trying to build resilience and in, in, in our personal and familial and and units you know we have we have our own our own people our own professionals who are or destroyed when our battle battle buddies take their lives we have them laugh mockingly at the soft-natured new army who's 
looking at babying the new soldiers. And you know, I've been deployed six times in the last decade. I, I'm doing just fine. I don't need any of this fluffy, puffy, soft shit. That's for the weak minds. That's for those new, that new army. I got to get out. And this sentiment is echoed out loud all of the time in front of peers, in front of seniors, in front of soldiers continuing to foster this mentality that if you seek tools that make you more resilient, if you seek help for health, then you're weak and you'll be ostracized. You know, they'll never say it. Not anymore. The culture at least has gotten there where you can't say that you're going to ostracize somebody. You can't say that they're weak. You'll beat the drum and you'll say as the leader, that's good. This training is good. I don't need it, but it's good for you. Even when leaders don't want to ostracize and they want to enable and motivate their soldiers to receive assistance as needed, they don't know how to handle them. They don't know how to handle the soldiers in a way that keeps them in the loop and you know, you know, while they continue to pursue their, their development and their growth and, and, and working through these issues. You know, many take that hands-off approach, you know, give them time and you know when they're ready to come back and fight, then they can come back. You know, but this creates two different tracks you know two different paths in which these the individual and the unit are growing on and, and it fosters a, a mental divide which manifests itself in in into the reality and then and you know into the physical reality when they get back you know leaders need to be better trained and integrated into the recovery process you know, into the resilience and mental health processes now, if you think that someone is weak because they're seeking mental health or even considering it, then, well, let me show you what strength is. In, in, in your own definition. Star First Class Araha went to ranger school, as we had talked about before, right? Let me tell you... Let me... Let me you know what? Let me do this. Let me let me tell you what the army has to say about ranger school. Let me give... for Because there's a lot of people that, that watch that aren't... Um, aren't privy <laughs> to to this stuff and so rather than me i've never gone and so rather than me giving you my second hand account of what people have told me from from years past let me just tell you what the army actually says about ranger school and what i did was i actually i pulled from like army.mil slash ranger and then i've just i've highlighted some portions of this just because it's it's long this thing's like four pages and so i just highlighted some key paragraphs here just to let you know what what it is that they that they're going through at range because we talk like ranger school is tough like okay yeah isn't the army tough like so you go to a tough school you're already tough let's let's break this down all right so the purpose of the army's ranger course is to prepare these army volunteers all volunteers both officers and enlisted soldiers and combat arms related functional skills the ranger's primary mission is to engage in close combat and direct fire battles. This, re this course requires them to perform effectively as small unit leaders in a realistic tactical environment and under mental and physical stress. <laughs> the thing that they don't talk about here in much depth is, is what, what that stress is and how they apply it. Um, this approaches 
that are found in actual combat. Emphasis is placed on the development of individual combat skills and abilities through uh, combat skills and abilities through the application of the principles of leadership while further developing military skills in the planning and conduct of dismounted infantry, airborne, air mobile, amphibious, independent squad, and platoon size operations. Graduates return to their units to pass these skills on. This was developed back from the 1950s to the 1970s. They had a goal where they wanted one that they never achieved, where it was like one officer per company, one non-commissioned officer. There's one, one NCO, one officer per company, per infantry company. And they couldn't even get that because it's too hard. It's too hard to get people to pass. They're never able to get those numbers. One. Um, so there's three phases. You have the bending phase. The bending phase of Ranger School is designed to assess a soldier's physical stamina, mental toughness, and establishes the tactical fundamentals required for follow-on phases of Ranger School. However, only 50% of Ranger students will complete the first phase. So you have your tough soldiers that want to go to the school. Only... Most of the army's too scared to go. Those who are brave enough to go and pass the army, you have to pass your own test in-house and usually go through your own training because you don't want to, your unit doesn't want you to embarrass them by going there and falling flat on your face. And so you have to pass all of this. You have to pass like a, a ranger school training boot camp at your duty station in most cases and then report to ranger school. So you've already gone through like a mini ranger school and then you're going to ranger school and when you go there within before the in the first phase the first phase 50% don't make it ranger physical assessment this is the first week known as rap or rpa um okay so the ranger Physical assessment, which is which is RPA, is is the how rap week begins and, and range, and that's the ranger assessment phase. Um, and this requires forty nine push ups, fifty nine sit ups, and a five mile run in forty minutes or better. So that is an eight minute per mile pace for five miles on crazy hills. It doesn't say that, but that is the reality. And you have to do six chin ups. Um, so you might say, oh, that's not bad. You know, the army's max, if you're familiar, is, you know, like 70-something push-ups and 80 sit-ups, you know, age and gender dependent, um, for the time being, whatever. We're not going to get into that. So, um, but you're like, oh, 49 push-ups, that's not bad. Well, these are 49, uh, perfect push-ups. I remember, I have a really good buddy, Alex Shute, who went, um, went and got got booted for his push-ups when he in the same course like in the build-up to the event he was recorded they saw him doing push-ups like this guy's doing perfect push-ups and they recorded him as like the standard for doing push-ups and then he they failed him on doing the push-ups right it's just it's like it's so incredibly perfect that what they're looking for any deviation from perfection no go and that's just that's just the PT test. It's just the range of PT test. Following the RPA, students conduct the combat water survival assessment at Victory Pond. Land navigation, refresher training, and finish the day with a brigade in brief. 
and briefs. It's the hardest part of it. Um, day two begins at 3.30 a.m. with a night and day land navigation test. Following land nav, ranges are tested on common soldier skills such as weapons and communication training. The second day finishes with a two-point mile run mile two-man buddy run in your combat uniform um, with a camelback carrying an m4 wearing a headlamp and no headgear the buddy run culminates on the malvesti confidence course course which contains the infamous worm pit the fourth and final day of rap i don't know what that is otherwise you know i'd, I'd, I'd break it down um the fourth and final day of rap week consists of instruction on proper assembly and security of equipment and culminates with the 12 mile foot march with each student carrying an average load of 35 pounds without water that doesn't mean that they're not carrying water it means that they're carrying 35 pounds of weight and on top of that weight then they are carrying their water weight as well after wrap week only two-thirds of the class will continue to the patrol phase so that is one third don't even make it through the first week of the total that go in. Of the total that go in, 50% don't make it through the first phase. In case you were curious about how tough the school is. In order to move forward, each student must demonstrate their ability to plan, prepare, resource, and execute a combat patrol as a squad leader or team leader. Students must prove this to the ranger instructors. More importantly, to their peers. As the final hurdle to moving forward is the peer evaluation. Only soldiers who give 100% of themselves to their peers and squad will be likely candidates to continue forward to the mountain phase and ultimately earn their ranger tab. That is another testament to those who make it through. You don't make it through on sheer personal solo will you have to show that you're providing value you have to show that you can be a good contributing member of a team you have to be able to communicate you have to be able to reciprocate you know you have to give people opportunities to step up you can't always be the guy you know and it's you will get peered out (laughs) that's what they call it when you get voted out you get kicked off the freaking island um okay so, mountain phase. This is in Georgia. The ranger students continue to learn how to sustain himself and his subordinates, now herself as well, um, in the adverse conditions of the mountains. The rugged terrain, severe weather, hunger, mental and physical fatigue. So this means that they're not feeding you and you're not sleeping, right? Like this is, they're saying, yeah, you're hungry. Like it's because they're not giving you rations. You get them minimally. You get sleep minimally. And I mean minimally. These are from the people. This is from Araha when he came back. This dude dropped like 40 pounds or something ridiculous. 20 pounds when he came back. So, the rugged terrain, severe weather, hunger, mental and physical fatigue, and the emotional stress that the student encounters afford him the opportunity to gauge his own capabilities and limitations as well as that of his peers. Once again, the peer factor comes in. If your peers see that you're weak, see that you're not able to hold up mentally, physically, emotionally, they don't want you there. You have to be able to rely on your team members to your left and right. Okay. 
Students then performed 10 days of patrolling during two field training exercises. Combat patrol missions are directed against the conventionally equipped threat. In a low-intensity conflict scenario, these patrol missions are conducted both day and night and include air assault operations and extensive cross-country movements through mountainous terrain. The ranger students execute patrol missions requiring the use of their mountaineering skills. Platoon missions include movements to contact, vehicle and personnel ambushes, and raids on communication and mortar sites. Students also conduct river crossings and scale steeply sloped mountains. Stamina and commitment of the ranger student is stressed to the maximum. At any time, he may be selected to lead his fellow tired and hungry and physically expended students to accomplish yet another combat patrol mission. At the conclusion of the mountain phase, students move by bus or by parachute assault into the third and final phase of ranger training, which is the Florida phase. This phase focuses on the continued development of the ranger students' combat arms functional skills. Students receive instruction on waterborne operations, small boat movements, and stream crossings upon arrival. So this tests students' ability to operate effectively under conditions of extreme and mental physical stress. Every phase. There's no break. This training further develops the student's ability to plan and lead small units during independent and coordinated airborne air assault, small boat, and dismounted combat patrol operations in a low-intensity combat environment against a well-trained, sophisticated enemy. Students conduct 10 days of patrolling again during two field, exer field training exercises. The field training exercises are fast-paced, highly stressful, and challenging in which the students are evaluated on their ability to apply small unit tactics and techniques during the execution of raids, ambushes, movements, combats, er, movements to contact, and urban assaults to accomplish their assigned missions. Okay. All of that was to say that we now have um, we now have a very basic idea very basic rudimentary rudimentary outline of what ranger school entails and this is just a glimpse you know it doesn't provide you with a real insanely difficult sleep and food deprivation you know you can actually look up videos of this on youtube and, and see the there's there's one where a guy's like trying to put money in he's trying to look for change to put into a tree as if it's like a vending machine um, because he's so completely out of his out of his mind, out of sorts. And um, well, here's the thing: Storm First Class Araho, he went to this course, right? And he passed. He's a ranger, um, ranger tap. This is a testament to his mental and physical strength and the pure force of his will. But you want to know the crazier thing? He actually failed the course. He got booted out, and then he picked himself back up on purpose. Went back into the course on purpose. And then he passed. This is the type of stick to that we, we attempt to inculcate in, in our units, in our businesses, in our families, in ourselves. Araho embodied this. He was a hero. And now he's gone. Now, it's impossible to say that if X would have happened, then things would be different. You know? It's indecent. 
and self-serving and egotistical to think that if you know you yourself are in any way the cause or the sole prevention measure that could have changed everything there's so many components and factors that go into the this this final decision and while we can glean similarities from different stories and you know interventions vary in effectiveness and, and and we need to look at the cohesive nature of the workplace and we need to look at the engagement of leadership now these command climate surveys are not effective not in my experience speaking just from the ones that i participated in it's, it just turns into command teams you know justifying their positions people complaining over silly nothings rarely if ever have I participated in a command climate survey where serious topics were engaged in a meaningful way? Well, like I said, this is anecdotal and veering a little bit off topic, but you know, it's one additional measure. You know, what's happening at home? You know, is there a substance abuse taking place? Is you know, how does this person or you know, this man or woman view themselves in context of their place in the world? What are their goals? their ambitions do they believe in god are they going to church none of these are meant to be the solution but this type of information can be known by the leadership but it cannot happen unless there's there's a genuine interest and investment in the person now we, we way too often we look at senior leaders as a bigger and more efficient efficient cogs in a well-oiled machine you know, the squeaks we pay attention to are at the very top when the generals screw up and at the very bottom when privates screw up. You know, those mid to late career relative senior leaders are just assumed to be fine and, and to be the ones who, who or they're the ones who do the checks, you know, you know, and it this goes back to the, that age old question, you know, who's watching the watchmen? You know, if they're the ones who are watching out and making sure that everyone's on the right course, who's checking, who's checking on them? system's broken if the construction of these working environments and effective leadership fails at any level and we're still we're still failing on on breaking through that that stigma of of weakness right even if everything goes right Except for one, one thing breaks through, and we we are relying on having a culture that that promotes awareness, that promotes seeking health, and we don't have that, and we're and we're we're still battling that stigma. I have twenty two a day, and we're still battling that stigma. Suicide awareness training, resilience training, and the like are all a waste of time and for pansies. You know, it's good. We got to do it for the unit. But I don't need it. That's the army, new soft army. Well, the absolute hardest are, they're, they're dropping like flies, man. They're dropping like flies. 22 a day. Sergeant First Class Araujo, Ranger, Jump Master. Should we start to change our perspective a little? Maybe open up our minds and let a hair, anyone 
any leader can get up in front of the organization and beat the drum. Say the right words at a one-to-many ratio, right? That's easy. The one-on-ones or the one-on-few is hard. Takes more energy, takes more time because it has to be more personal. First sergeants need... First sergeants need to open up this floor to their platoon sergeants. Commanders need to bring in their PLs and so on and so forth. You know, they need to do the one-on-one. They need to do the one-to-few. The formalized counseling sessions are already mandated and they're not happening. The only times when I saw these happen on a regular basis is when the command team had this great kind of charisma and, and great influence and all of the leadership seemed to be synced together, moving towards a common goal, a common purpose. And the culture was that of growth and development. You know, and thankfully for me, this was during some of my most formative military years. And, and I've forever reaped the rewards and benefits of being a part of that culture. Now listen, this isn't this isn't the answer, not solely. This isn't on the leaders alone. The choice is an individual one. You know, but but we have a high stress profession and that demands more of us than in, in any other job in America and we must take in consideration of the emotional and mental turmoil along with the physical that we know that soldiers go through. We have to strive to build organizations that are focused on on this growth and where we seek to gain understanding and we foster an environment of trust. And this is why I focus on what I do. This is why I want to work with people and to, to encourage them to live and show them how to live as close to those things that bring them joy, that light them up and bring satisfaction and a real sense of accomplishment to their lives. Because I believe that when we're living close to this light, to this this spark, that we're stronger and better for it. And we inherently bring up those around us. Again, this is not the only solution. It may not even be the best, but it's it's the best that I know how to do. And I'm gonna continue to do it for as long as I can suck the sweet air from this amazing planet. We do what we can. Yeah, I know that this is a tough episode and and I appreciate you guys coming here and and spending some time with me as as I kind of, honestly, as I kind of stumble through and work through this myself, you know. It's tough, it's important. And you're all heroes. You can all step up today. How you will choose to do that is up to you. You know, it could be a phone call. It could be social media posts. It could be a smile to a stranger or a hug to a child. Step up some small way every day. I love you, Sergeant Rajo. I love the team. I love the squad. I wish that I wish that I could be there with everyone. I you know back a beer and reminisce on good times. He was a hero. I love you guys. You be somebody's hero today.